Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And we are... For Colored Nerds. The conversations that black people have... When white people are not in the room. But we record them. And we put them on the internet. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, how's it going, Brittany? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I have a little cold today. So, like, that's kind of annoying. But... You're rarely sick. Thank you. Well, last year, last year was... It was weird because, like, I'd say for six months of, like, 2015, 2016, I did get sick a lot. But thank you for mentioning that. I, that's, like, a big part of my identity is that I'm really sick. So it's, like, it's weird that I got sick so much in the past couple of years. But that's because I was suffering from uh, depression and serious burnout. So, uh, but, yeah, no, this time I just got a cold. I got it from uh, my partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it you get for, like that. yeah. Everybody in my life get me sick. It's so. scary because it's like once you, it's like that's the scariest thing about having your significant other get a cold is that you're like, God damn it, like it's already too late. I probably already have it. I thought when you have a kid, like there was like like maybe four months. Well, no, maybe not four months, but like there was some period of time where they get you sick all the time. But then I thought you just get like inoculated to it. Yeah, but apparently that's not true. No. <laughs> not from what I can, not from what I've seen in your life. I don't. I don't think that's the yeah. case. But you know, the other than that, I'm living good. Honestly, like you know, we're recording this in a funny little window, which is like the few days before yeah. uh, Trump is actually sworn in as our president. By the time this episode comes out, he will already be sworn in. Oof. So I'm just enjoying the last days of disco. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, about the same. About the same. You know, you just we're just pushing forward to oblivion. You know, I know. And uh, yeah, what are you going to do about that? There's nothing you can do about that. But we're here today to talk about something bittersweet. <laughs> that is a good way to put it. It is bittersweet. Uh, so, I mean, let's 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 get to that. As we as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are still at the top of the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as we mentioned at the tip top of the show, you're hearing this. In a Trump presidency. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Mm. Sorry. But his predecessor, the 44th president, Barack Obama, Mm. is a figure that obviously is history making for many reasons, Mm -hmm. but has affected, I think, the two of us and and a lot of black people very deeply. You know, some people feel differently about him than others, but I think everyone has thought about or has is, is in some way tried to contextualize how they feel about the fact that we've had a black president for yeah. eight years. Yeah. And it's something I think we've both probably been doing independently. Mm-hmm. But for today's show, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. We'll give some reflections. We're going to give some reflections. So first, I think we should start off with like how both of us came to Barack Obama. Um, because speaking for myself, I was not a Barack Obama supporter initially. Um, when I found out we were going to be able to finally escape um, from the prison that was a George W. Bush uh, doubleheader, I was like, look, I need to get on board with Hillary Clinton. This is this well-known white woman. Yeah. She has her pantsuits, and she was, I think, still with this sassy senator shortcut. Yep. Like, she, like, everybody knows who this woman is. She's on fire. She's popping. Let's do it. And then uh, over time, I was sort of like, I, I became like softened toward mm-hmm. uh, Barack Obama. I just felt like, I don't know, I just felt really protective. Yeah. Like, I just thought that having a black man run for president was just setting our, not just this person, not just this man and his family, but like our entire like nation up for yeah. just like, well, not our entire nation, American black people up <laughs> for just a, like a host of heartbreak. Yeah. I had a lot of people around me who were on, they were just like, oh, the black guy, easily. Like, I'm like a lot of people in my life were like, I'm all for Barack Obama. Why? He's black. I'm black. He seems like he's on it. Like, I saw his speech at the 2000, I remember watching his speech yeah. at the 2004 DNC when I was in high school, and I was like, okay. I remember one of my friends, 
woman, well, woman of color. She was a girl then, but she was just like, that guy's probably gonna be president. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I can't, I just couldn't put myself out there that vulnerably. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna stick with this white woman. And for better or for worse, we're going to see what happens. Uh, but then I borrowed a copy of... Um, Dreams from My Father. Dreams from My Father from our friend Jason, yeah. um, who we probably mentioned on the show before. And I was just kind of like, I don't know, it was just stuff that I had never heard from a politician in my life. It was He was unlike any person I could have ever conceived of. Um, and I started to kind of like trust and believe in this person. And then maybe six months after that, I drove a bunch of people from D.C., where I was living at the time, to Delaware for the day mm-hmm. to go door-to-door, do some canvassing, and also to see him speak live yeah. um, in like the town square in Wilmington, Delaware. And I was stunned. I had never seen anybody bring together this many different types of people, maybe except for like, I don't know, Jesus or... Michael Jackson. <laughs> you know what I'm no, saying? That's about right. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, I was overwhelmed that a black man had done this. And I was overwhelmed with like just the vision of like hope and responsibility and possibility that he was pushing out there and how moved everybody was. I mean, uh, I just, it, it, it really, 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 really stunned me. Um, and at that point, from that point on, I was like all Barack. I was like going canvassing in Virginia, which now, what the fuck would I, like, what was I thinking yeah. being 20 years old, running around in like suburban slash rural Virginia, knocking on random people's doors, trying to talk to them about voting for this black man that is crazy. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was on team him at, from from that point on. What about you? I mean, I to be honest, when he declared his uh, desire to run, I kind of thought, it was in preparation to do it again. Like, I didn't think, I didn't think this one, I didn't think 2008 was the serious bid. You know, I thought he was uh, basically doing what people assumed Bernie Sanders was doing when he declared, Mm. which was to kind of diversify the field, Uh um, you know, push policies that that are pretty progressive and to maybe just shake things up, increase his profile for what would later be, mm, you know, a successful presidential bit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was cool with that. Like I thought he was a really, really interesting guy. I loved uh-huh. his speeches, but yeah, I didn't. Not to say that it didn't seem serious, but it just didn't seem like a realistic shot. Yeah. I just I was like, nah, it's yeah. not gonna happen. He's a cool yeah. guy, but it's, you know, I don't think it's gonna mm-hmm. happen. Not this time. Later for sure. But then I think it was he won Iowa. Um, oh yeah, the caucus, he, yeah, yeah. He won the Iowa caucuses, and at that point, something really—and this was early in the campaign—but uh-huh. at that point, something really shifted. And I was like, "Wait a minute! It's not just black folks kind of fucking yeah, with this guy. Yeah. Like, like he, like people really are like coalescing like behind mm-hmm. him. This guy has a shot. Yeah, and I mean, like most people, and honestly, like Hillary Clinton, most of her." like political life people have kind of been somewhat lukewarm on her uh-huh. and and you know that's for a lot of reasons uh-huh. right uh yeah good yeah. and bad <laughs> you yeah. know uh, you know uh valid and not yeah but um but i was kind of lukewarm on hillary and as the um as the presidential race continued that was just reaffirmed yeah that um, was another reason why i did i was like oh, girl i thought she had the juice yeah. she should have technically mathematically had the juice hillary did not have the juice in 2007 yeah and it, it, i mean a lot of it was just also in the manner in which she uh debated barack like mm-hmm. you know she really kind of seeded the uh the like i guess you say moral high ground a bit to barack mm-hmm. in the way in which she debated him you know she just kind of like she just kind of came for his neck in some really kind of like fucked up ways. Yeah. And at that point it was like, yeah, well, this is the guy. I think he could do it. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. be a long shot. But like, I think, you know, this guy is going to be the guy. And so, you know, once he secured the Democratic nomination, it seemed, you know, the rest is actually just a like just a bit of a blur. Like John McCain is somebody who I actually used to really like, um, <sighs> you know. It's cra- seems crazy to say in 2016, yeah. 2017. So. Well, it's crazy because it's like he, it's all come back around in a circle. Yeah. We're like now John McCain seems like a reasonable human being. But in the 2008 election, he was. He, he was nuts. Yeah. But he used to be, you know, relatively pragmatic. Respectable. Yeah. 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 Ultimately, like that, like that was like that was kind of how I came to be a Barack supporter. And yeah, that has that. I mean, obviously, that hasn't that hasn't waned since then. Uh, at least for me. Yeah. You know? No. Um. Yeah. No. Not. Not. Uh. No. Not for me either. I mean. Yeah. No. The actual being a Barack supporter hasn't waned. Yeah. You know. Do you? We. Well. We were just talking about this after you know becoming a Barack supporter. Then like, 
his actual election, like an election night. Yeah. I couldn't actually remember, but you, you, you. Well, you I can see why you remember. Yeah, I have pretty good recall. So, oh, so that day was awesome because that was the first time I w- was voting in um, a presidential campaign. And um, I had, you have to vote in person in that state. Oh, really? Yeah, in Michigan, at least that's how you do it. Like, the, at least the first time that you vote, you have to do it in that yeah. state. So this was back, of course, when, like, flights were, like, hella cheap. So, like, I got, like, an eight-hour flight home. I, like, November 4th, got up at the crack of dawn, voted for Barack Obama, like, in the dark. Um, and it was just so crazy to me. It was, like, I was, like, like that sort of set the tone for the whole day. Yeah. Even if he didn't win, the fact that I was able to do this, the fact that, like, I'm a young black woman and the first time I'm voting... Like, I'm voting for a black man for president. Like, that's fucking insane. And that's one of those moments where I wish that my grandfather had still been alive so that he could know that this was happening. And then I, like, flew back to, uh, flew back to Howard's campus, flew back to D.C. And, of course, went to therapy because, for me, Tuesday has always been therapy day. (laughs) And then I went with uh, my friends Iman, who is a friend of the show, who people may know from Sampler and uh, my friend Al, we went to go see uh, Bad Brains play at the 930 mm-hmm. Club. Those of you who are in D.C. like are familiar with like the just like the symbolism of like yeah. the day the black president <laughs> gets elected, like being a Howard student, seeing like Bad Brains play at the 930 Club, which is right near Howard's campus. But yeah, so I had this awesome day and Iman and I, yeah. we met up with you. You were coming from the towers. We like I think we realized it was getting close to like that time. And as he would win certain states, you could hear people like cheering, cheering from their homes. Like it was that crazy. And so we like ran to this bar called Alero on U Street, which is like a Mexican restaurant. Um, And I think we were there maybe less than 10 minutes before like this shit showed up on the screen. Like Barack Obama is going to be the 44th president of the United States. And it was like, I don't know, it's it's, it's weird. It's like have it's like, I don't know, there's that moment. Of like seeing his face on screen, this black guy and realizing yeah. he was going to be president. It's like imagine having like every single thing that anybody ever told you was the truth. All of a sudden, just like the ground upon which that truth stands on, it just like completely fucking crumbles. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I never in my life thought we'd have a black president. Yeah. Never in my lifetime, which is still, Lord willing, another you know sixty years. Right? Yeah. Never in my lifetime did I think we'd have a black president. And you know, to cap that moment off. I was with you, yeah. I was with Iman, and we were in this Mexican restaurant, and for some reason they had a mariachi version of Viva Obama <laughs> that started playing, and they gave everybody in the bar tequila shots, and we were just like crying and hugging yeah. and cheering, and then, this part I think you may remember. Yeah, I do remember. I, we went outside. We went outside. Oh, you could hear people cheering, and yeah. people were like, oh, people were standing on top of cars, and like... Yeah. It was like a parade. Yeah, like an impromptu parade everywhere yeah. in the streets of D.C. Yeah, there were no cars in the streets. Nope. Like, everyone was just, like, everyone was so happy. Like, I haven't seen that much collective, I haven't seen that much collective joy. Mm-mm. Maybe, honestly, maybe ever. No, never before. And I don't think, I don't know that I will ever see it again. Yeah. And, it, like, it, like that that was the most, like, that was that part was inspiring. Yeah. Like, I, like it, literally, it was just everyone, everyone in eyeshot. And there were many people out there. Yeah. Like, the streets were full. They were packed. Yeah. It was literally just, like, jumping, crying, celebrating. Like, Hugging strangers. Yeah. Like, everybody was your friend yeah. that night. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it, it was so warm. It was so, like, comforting. Like, I've never felt everything just, everything at that particular moment felt new and possible. Yeah. And that's another thing, like, you know, usually you get a little bit of that on, like, uh, like if, if if you happen to have gone to college, like that, like freshman move in day, you know, oh, like yeah. you're like you're there and you're like, what the fuck? Where am I? Yeah, you know, like this is amazing. I can do anything. I'm gonna be everything. Like, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, Take yeah. over the world. Um, but that's a very like, uh, not not selfish, but like that's a very personal personal thing. Yeah, I felt that for the world. Like I felt like, oh my god, the like the the world could be different. How we actually interact with each other like what we can do together as people yeah felt so much more possible and so much like more warm and and uh good yeah the future was a lot brighter yeah but yeah no literally like we ran out of alero ran down u street for people who are like this is like a 15th and your people understand dc ran down u street I mean, we probably ran for like a mile which at that yeah. point not all of our lives collectively I don't think that was a thing that we did oh it was absolutely not a thing that right we did. and then we ran down georgia avenue to the mcdonald's which is across the street from yeah. Howard's campus, the Howard McDonald's. And there were 
a, there's a sea of black people doing the hustle with no fucking music. Just like, you know, because we have natural rhythm. Um, <laughs> and so, like, a bunch of black people doing the hustle with no music. People were just like, I mean, it was like a party in the fucking streets yeah. everywhere. That was great. That was honest. Like, as much as, like, the details are hazy, like, that's, like, the feeling of that night is mm. one I won't forget. I'll never forget. I don't know. Like, I remember saying, like, I don't like. I don't even know if my own like wedding day, the birth of my child. I don't know if I'm ever going to feel that particular feeling again. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that. Like just the like you know, like you said, like possibility of like a new beginning for the world. Yeah, it's unconscionable. Yeah, and I mean, and fair, fair or not, to put that much <laughs> feeling yeah. on you know one like person, one human being. Yeah. Um, like I think a lot of people felt that, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Eight years later, it's interesting to kind of reflect on the realities of of uh, of that moment and what what kind of transpired after. Yeah, I mean, this is not a quick question, but like, I'm curious <laughs> as to like how like for you, I guess, and we're obviously going to talk more about this. Uh-huh. But like, how did having a black president like change the way you see the like the country, and I guess maybe yourself? Um. Well, like. Honestly, just made me. It made me feel like I had like that, like like more of the world was open to me than I had previously assumed. Mm-hmm. That's an exciting prospect to have as like a a twenty year old black woman. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Just like more of the world is open for you than you thought. It's like a, a what is that fire hydrant? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then just somebody coming and just and like twisting. cracking it open. Yeah. Like that's how it sort of felt. Like oh shit. You know what I'm saying? Like Obama had the juice. I'm sorry. I just watched. Um, I just started watching. Uh. <laughs> the people versus OJ Simpson. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Obama had the juice and I felt like, okay, like I can get some too. And it just made me think of the world as like, and this is, you know, again, this is also probably 20 year old optimism. Mm-hmm. But I just maybe thought like, okay, maybe the world is imperfect as it is and as terrible place as it is. Maybe the world is not as like, maybe all people are not as inherently terrible as I thought them to be. Well, but like, but but like now, how would you say that viewpoint is like how like like in hindsight, how do you think? Like how are you? How do you look at things? I'm glad that I felt that way when I was that age. <laughs> I am. I'm glad that I felt that way when I was that age, um, because I think that that's a good way to feel about the world when you're 20. But there are people who are 20 now who yeah. feel like. Maybe you the opposite. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are people who are younger who feel the opposite. Like, I think about, like, my baby cousin Jamie, who is, like, 11, mm. 11-year-old black boy. He has no idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he has no idea what it feels like. He has some knowledge, obviously. He's learned in school about, like, okay, everybody but Barack was white, yeah. you know? But, like, he has no knowledge of, like, what it is like. Um, the before. Yeah, the before. The before of, like, all white president. I mean, he has, yeah, well, he has no knowledge of what it feels like to have a white president, even though he knows that there are white presidents only before Brock. Yeah. And, like, that's got to be kind of, like, you know, I just think about, like, what it was like having a Bush presidency when I was, like, you know, basically what, thir- 12, 13 to, uh, yeah, to, you know, basically 20, 21. Yeah. Um, and, like, that shaping the way that I thought about my country and the way that I thought about my place in the world and the way I thought about the way that we treat other people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm glad that I felt that way then, but I guess I'm also glad that I am not younger now. Like, Mm. I'm glad that, like, I mean, this is probably selfish, but I'm glad that I was able to, like, have that optimism fueling most of my 20s and that, like, I didn't have to be, like, reminded in a very harsh way of like the realities of the world <laughs> yeah. until I was like a little bit older. No, that's a great point. Like I, when I first got to Howard, it was uh, 2004. This was like Carrie's run, mm-hmm. John Kerry. And I, I actually volunteered for Carrie. We, mm. uh, we went down to uh, Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. We went out there, we were knocking door to door and it was kind of a like, we were expecting to feel a little bit of what we eventually felt when Barack won. Yeah. But that that obviously that that election went very differently and it was rough. It was really rough. Like that was one of that was some of the first like deep loss that mm. I felt. And so to have 8 years of the opposite well, I wouldn't say that whole eight years were the opposite, but uh-huh. like feeling that high from Barack and like yeah, just sending us I, I think sending me so like 
to a place where, where I have such optimism in the way that the country could work. Yeah. And like seeing like, okay, we worked really hard, you know, to get this man elected and he won. Yeah. Uh, and then he won again. Yeah. You know, like that, I didn't realize how much that had like distanced me from the feeling of seeing Hillary lose. Yeah. You know? And so like when that happened, I looked back and I was like, wow. Even though I think we all eventually started to see like the cracks in in how people would respond to Barack. Yeah. So I mean, obviously Barack did has done a lot of things, and mm-hmm. we're going to get into that. And he's done a lot of things well, but he, you know, he clearly ran into a significant amount of opposition. Yeah. And you know, there were things that he wasn't really capable of. But even even through that, like I still maintained a degree of optimism that he had pushed us up so high. That maybe we weren't capable of like going back, and I think a lot of people felt like that. Yeah, people felt Hillary was inevitable. So when that time came and Hillary lost and lost to Donald Trump, of all people, yeah, like that was that like ripped away such a like so much of like the good that I felt about the past eight yeah. years. Yeah, which is which is sad but you know i mean it's life um and it's gonna it's gonna be interesting um (laughs) interesting is such a positive way to put it you know everybody needs a good euphemism (laughs) well i guess you know uh, okay so like this on the cusp i feel like is a good way to put it because like cusp is like we're about like at the time that we're talking donald trump has not yet been sworn in by the time y'all hear this it'll have just happened um so on the cusp of a Trump administration, uh, is a fine enough time to like to sort of delve into Obama's legacy. And yes. there are two pieces that we read um, that really got like us thinking about like the legacy of President Barack Obama because it's yeah. very easy to sort of like think about him symbolically. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a, a thing that we all kind of get into. Like, what is it? Yeah. Like, what does Barack Obama mean? What does his family mean? Yeah. And um, the symbolism is important. It is very, 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 very important. There are people who like. You know, there are people who have serious issues with this man with this man's policies, yeah. um, and so valid ones, valid ones too. But still, like deeply understand and feel something emotionally um, for the symbolism of like of his family, even just occupying the White House. Yeah, um, it, it means something. So yeah, so uh, those pieces uh, were "My President Was Black" by Tanasi Coates, which came out toward the end of last year. I think it was in the uh, Atlantic. Yeah, the December January issue of yeah. the Atlantic. Um, it's a great piece. It is not short. Yes, um, it's chapters. Literally. Cha- they're literally chapters. Um, but I thought that that was great. Just Tanahasi, this like great mind of our. I was about to say of our generation. I can't take credit. I'm not a Gen Xer, but like uh, this great mind of our times, having um, I guess what, what you know, surprised us, the reader, having these like really long, winding conversations yeah. with Barack Obama throughout his presidency. Um, that and and just sort of seeing like the I guess like the like. I don't know. How do I put it? Just, yeah, sort of seeing the conclusions that, that Ta-Nehisi, like, culled from those conversations was amazing. Uh, and then the other one was The Complicated Legacy of Our First Black President by uh, a one Melissa Harris Perry. Yeah. Um, where she sort of got into, like, really critically looking at the way that President Obama approached policies that would uh, work toward the betterment of life for young black women and girls in our country. Yeah. So before we uh, we dive into the meat of the conversation, uh, we should pay some bills and take a quick break. Cool. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet, which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. And we're back. We're back. So the goal, so today we're we're kind of looking back on Barack Obama's presidency. Yes. And you know, we talked a, we talked a bit about how we came to support Barack looking back at like those feelings of of joy and even mm-hmm. now, you know, feelings of maybe despair. Yes, despair, <laughs> misery. Yeah. yeah. Um but but going back to like the actual 8 years about the like the time um, you know, we talked about two pieces, two articles or essays, if you will, written by like Ta-Nehisi Coates and Melissa Harris Perry. And there was a really good quote um, that she kind of pulled out from Bell Hooks, one of, you know, like the most like awesome writers. Like she, she read me quite she's, a few times. Yes, she's a, a black, a black feminist teacher, writer, theorist. Yes. So Bell Hook said, our struggle is a struggle of memory against forgetting. And basically, you know, the thing is memory can, like when you're looking back at something, you can see some of the, you know, the rosier parts, that symbolism, the things that like stand out to us as great. And I think we're we're all kind of reveling in that now. But mm-hmm. basically she's saying, you know, we have to kind of interrogate that and look at, you know, some of those critical aspects too. So I think what we want to do mm-hmm. Is do a bit of both. Yes, you know. Um, I mean, because we uh, we have a lot of great love for the man, but we also have uh, we have bones to pick. We have disappointments. Yeah. We have some things that he's done that definitely gotten our goats. Exactly. So let's start. Let's start with let's start with the positive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, what would you say Brock did did well? Something I definitely thought that he did well. I felt like even though his presidency was not perfect, Mm -hmm. he did not accomplish everything that I wanted him to accomplish. A lot of the approaches that he took uh, toward solving certain problems, uh, especially a lot of the approaches they took toward uh, conflict with his colleagues, Mm -hmm. were not for me. I'm more of like, you know, maybe uh, what you would call maybe an aggressive type of person (laughs) in that way. But I, I felt like... At his core, he's somebody who bent toward inclusivity. Mm-hmm. And you could see that reflected in a lot of his policies. You could see that reflected in the way that he opened up the White House to everybody he and Michelle did. Um, and I, I felt like he was the first president in my lifetime. And I would say in my lifetime, I think that also probably means ever, um, to really try to bring as many people um, with him as he could. You know, the saying, the popular African-American uh, proverb when I come up, the hood comes up with me. <laughs> yes. If you, if you don't know, that's that's Jeezy, uh, young Jeezy. Exactly. Uh, also, um, you know, kind of like everybody eats B, for yeah. those of you who have uh, managed to see paid in full. I kind of got that vibe from Obama where he sort of like, I have a little bit of power. I have some resources. Who else can I give them to? How Like, what's the best way for me to share those with other people? So, yeah, I even, I even think about there's this one a video that I saw on Twitter, I think it was also shared on Facebook by Raquel Willis. Um, she's an activist who works at the Trans Law Center. It was a video of, like, black trans women activists voguing in the White House because they uh, were visiting during Trans Awareness Week and they were there for the trans uh, for the White House transgender community briefing. Like, there's a video of black trans women voguing in the White House because they had been invited to like talk, share, and reflect on policy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's I, that's something. Even after Barack Obama got elected in two thousand eight, that's not something I could have foreseen. Yeah. Is it the best of all possible outcomes? No, it's no. not nearly enough. Yeah. But like that that small step was like 
I mean, that's like, that's light years ahead of anything that I ever could have expected from a presidency. It's significant. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, he he found so many different ways to bring so many different people into the White House. Like, you know, with South by South Lawn, mm-hmm. have, bringing like that, like technology and music festival into the White House, um, embracing digital platforms, and also just like not being, this is kind of like a colloquial term, but not being an old fuddy-duddy about stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, some he seemed like somebody, I think in having a bend toward inclusivity, you also have to naturally be somebody who is always looking toward the future. And I I really appreciated that about him. Even, um, okay, so like Barack Obama, not the first president, not the first administration to have um, a White House Ramadan dinner that actually started in 1996 with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and actually the, the Bush uh, the Bush administration did continue having uh, the Ramadan iftar dinner. I have a feeling, <laughs> I just have a hunch <laughs> We're not going to have one in 2017. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like that, like those traditions, uh, there were traditions that he continued, um, I would say, with a little bit more pep and glee mm. than the Bush administration. And there were traditions that he started yeah. um, that, you know, may either they will end or, you know, I guess, they, you know, they're ending indefinitely. That will likely there are traditions that he started that will likely end indefinitely. Um you know, and, and even on top of that, just like the diverse staffing, uh, the, the excuse me, even on top of that, the, the diverse staffing of his administration at almost every single level. I'd never seen so many black women hold high positions, yeah. um, you know, in the White House in my life. Um, and I, I, I don't know when I'm going to necessarily see that again. Unless, um, I mean, barring Omarosa. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, you can't forget about Omarosa. Uh, I felt like that and also just like the fact that he... I'm trying to think about a way that's going to put, like, I can put this as not ableist, but like he was just somebody, the person who has the job of being the president, you're like just already de facto, honestly, the most powerful, powerful person on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And he seemed like he took that job very seriously mm-hmm. and he gave it a lot of thought and contemplation. And you can get that, you get that sense from his interviews and speeches that this was somebody he took, um, he thought of being the president as something that required intellectual rigor. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And you yeah. can see that, like, in the ta interviews. You can see that um, there's a really good piece by David Remnick that came out in The New Yorker, Obama Reckons with the Trump Presidency. Mm-hmm. Like, it was brilliant, um, some of the insights that David Remnick was able to get out of Obama over periods of time. Even, you know, your boy, <laughs> Jonathan Chait at New mm-hmm. York Magazine, yeah. uh, you mm-hmm. know, talking to Barack Obama about, like, the five days that shaped his presidency. It's, these are all pieces that came out last year where you see... Um, like, you know, some of these interviews were happening throughout the presidency, but you really see a, just a level of reflection that I have never seen from a politician in my life. It's reflection, but also just like access. Like, I can't think of a presidency of a president who wanted you to know who he truly was, mm. who he truly was mm-hmm. more uh, than Barack Obama. Mm. You know, like if you look like going back to the same things, his conversations with uh, Ta-Nehisi and even just like the press at large, like he was very open to how he no. like, like he was very open to how he uh thought and applied his intellect in addition to yeah. who he was as a person like you know he he was very open like you saw obviously you saw him playing like basketball and you know like you know yeah. doing like the, those typical activities but in addition it's it's not it's not hard to put yourself in Brock's shoes because mm. of how he has communicated how he thinks mm. and how he feels. And that is, you know, I mean, and some people might debate, some people do even still debate, you know, how he truly felt versus what he was able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he actually was surprisingly clear about his feelings and intentions, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's something, like, I look back and really, really appreciate. Mm. Uh, like, I, I think about, there's an article where Rimmer Brown from New York Magazine mm-hmm. wrote about... Traveling to meet Barack and getting to ask him basically like he got one question, Mm -hmm. you know, and what that meant for him to be able to do that. And he kind of outlined like what question he would ask him, like going back and forth, like, what the hell do I even ask the president, (laughs) you know? And ultimately, his question was about who Barack really was, Mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of what we felt about a black person being president is that like you can't quite say what you mean yeah you know Mm -hmm. because i mean like a lot of black people can't like who aren't the president can't say what they mean all the time especially in 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 a professional setting Uh you know so he he 
you know, I'm, I'm summarizing, but he basically asked him a version of that. Like in, mm-hmm. in situations, especially where you're talking about things like uh, Black Lives Matter and, mm-hmm. you know, the killings of of, uh, of black people at the hands of police. Like are, are, are these scenarios where, you know, your kind of pragmatic responses are coded for wh- how you truly feel? That's a, that's something that Barack could have pushed back against. You know, mm-hmm. he could have closed it off. He could have not even provided the opportunity for that type of interrogation. Mm-hmm. But he fielded the question and, you know, and said, like, what I'm saying is who I truly am. You know, what I'm saying is how I truly feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people can accept that or th- or they can't. But I'm being I'm being honest with you. Like, this is actually what I think. Mm-hmm. And you get a clearer picture of that from ta piece, My President Was Black. But I've never heard that from George W. Bush. No. I've never heard that type of introspection, that type of, like, access. Like, you didn't get those deeper conversations mm. with George W. Bush. And honestly, even at the time he was president, really with Bill Clinton. Uh, like, a lot no. of that was very kind of, like, no. superficial. No, I mean, I mean, there are many reasons why it was superficial. But, at, like, I just, when I think about, like, I don't think that Bill Clinton had the moral fortitude (laughs) i don't think that and i don't think that george w bush had i don't think that he could have been trusted i don't think that anybody would have trusted him to do that yeah and i don't know if it would have produced very much yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah i I, and clearly you see the situation that we're in now like transparency is a foregone yeah like idea yeah you know it's I I actually I'm really glad that you bring that up like with the act like um the transparency about who he was as a person and his thoughts yeah um that came with the greater access that he gave like members of the press and people who challenged him it wasn't perfect but it was yeah. more which we can we'll get into yes. a little bit later <laughs> but yeah it was more than I'd ever previously seen yeah and uh, one other thing like just on that same vein like even in how he talked about his family mm. and actually especially in how he talked about his family and specifically Michelle, mm-hmm. uh, Michelle Obama really provides a degree of insight into like what type of man he is that I appreciate it personally. Mm-hmm. You know, like the degree of reverence that Barack Obama has for Michelle Obama is beautiful. I, I like, I, I think that's kind of the, that's the, like the only real way I can really describe it. Mm-hmm. It's clear that he understands and appreciates her sacrifice, mm-hmm. her intellect, yeah. and her effort across the board, yeah. you know, you know, as a mother, as a first lady, just as a person, as a human being. Mm-hmm. And he he's very clear about that. And he's not afraid to talk about it yeah. and talks about it often. Yeah. And I think that, like, in terms of, you know, people talk about, like, relationship modeling a lot. And, you mm-hmm. know, everybody's like, oh, I want to be, you know, the Michelle to Barack or I yeah. want to be the Barack to Michelle. Or my favorite, a lot of ashy black men on Facebook having these extended posts about, like, you know, you have to remember when Michelle got with Barack, he was broke. <laughs> and, you know, folks like, folks like look at, Folks look at, 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 at Michelle and they're like, oh, you know, like everybody needs that. But like folks don't often kind of like focus on how he like signals to that, how he talks mm-hmm. about all those things. Like he is he's giving as well in, mm-hmm. you know, in how he holds and lifts her up. And I think that is like that. That's important, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, when you're talking about a relationship. There's another thing that I that I appreciate. And I think, you know, it's not that not that long barack had a degree of consistency Mm. in who he was and his his application of his intellect which you kind of touched on Mm -hmm. Uh, but that consistency provided me a degree of comfort Mm. that i am only now realizing in its absence (laughs) (laughs) you know like there are a lot of things in in how he governed that i wish he had done differently but that said i did not have a consistent degree of worry that I now have. I felt like things were on a upward trajectory, mm-hmm. getting better, and I felt confident in that, and that provided me a sense of comfort that, like, you know, yes, I still got to fight, still got to struggle, but things are getting better. I'm on the right track. Like, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. That is gone. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's like if it's like if you, like, it's like GPS. You like with Barack Obama, we kind of knew where he wanted to go. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? With Donald Trump, there's no and there's there are no indicate like aside from the nonsense that he is consistently spewing on Twitter of all on Twitter of all places. 
Yeah, there's no there's no real indication of like where his head is at, where he's going. Behaviors are extremely inconsistent. I mean, some of I mean, some of what I just stated is opinion, but some of that is just fact. Yeah. <laughs> there is just no indication of like what is about to happen at all whatsoever. Yeah. His intentions are completely unclear. Yeah, and and like that's for me has resulted in a, a degree of um constant fear like if i'm being straight up mm-hmm. that i just I, I now look back and realize i just didn't have for about eight years yeah. you know there's a different kind of fear that you know is, is comes like in, in being a black person on a yeah, day-to-day yeah, yeah, basis yeah, yeah. but in terms of like the overall arc of what's going to happen to our country and what we're capable of like that there was a there was a degree of consistency that i appreciated um that he was able to like instill at least in me personally but I think that's a you know maybe that's a good spot to transition to what he wasn't able to do like what, what he you know what I think we both hope he did better. Um, well, yeah, I, I, this is where um, the Melissa Harris Perry piece from from L dot com really spoke to me. She sort of goes in on Barack's lovingly goes in I would say she lovingly critiqued Barack's track record as far as uh, policies that concern black women and girls. And specifically, um, she bears down on uh, the My Brother's Keeper initiative. So in the piece also, Melissa Harris Perry brings up this op-ed that Columbia professor Kimberly Crenshaw, a.k.a. Uh, the woman who coined the term intersectionality, right? Th- that Kimberly Crenshaw wrote in, uh, in in the New York Times, sort of like lambasting my brother's keeper and, you know, just, you know, putting into context that it's sort of continuing the type of gender essentialism that we really should be trying to get away from and continuing this like false narrative that black boys have it so much worse and their lives are so much more endangered than those of black girls. And... You know, I mean, like that, that was something that I definitely agreed with. And that was something that I definitely felt. No, so Obama did eventually start the White House Council on Women and Girls. Um, and, and also, I, I think if I had, I mean, this is my just like personal, like anecdotal eyeball guesstimate. If I had to guess, there may have been more women and girls coming through the White House in the past eight years than ever before. But it, that still was not enough. And I, I, I felt like he had a major opportunity to sort of, uh, to not just like, discontinue or abandon like publicly that false narrative that black boys have it so much worse than black girls. But he also had an opportunity to sort of like get away from, I think that ideas like partner myth, Mm. which is that like um, the success and empowerment of the black community lies in fatherless boys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I, I really thought that that was a missed opportunity and that was something that I was really not pleased with. I wasn't surprised. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't surprised by that at all, which is why to me the Melissa Harris Perry piece or Tanasi Coates piece are such good partners mm-hmm. um, because you can see like fatherhood and like writing and talking about fatherhood are 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 both very important to both Barack and Tanahasi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hearing them kind of talk about those themes in their conversations and contrasting that with uh, Melissa Harris Perry's critique, I found to be really interesting. But that was something that I wish that he would have done better. So I even think about what happened to you know the firing of Shirley Sherrod. Mm-hmm. Like Barack Obama fired Shirley Sherrod under pressure from other people without actually what he should have done, caping for a reputable black woman yeah. and finding out first what actually, you know, the true situation was. Yeah. As it turned out, all these terrible things that people, you know, tried to frame her as saying, those things were actually not what she said. Um, and she totally should have had her job. And that's something that Ta-Nehisi wrote about. Yeah. Um, that was one of his first Obama pieces, I think. But also another issue that I had, is, and Melissa Harris-Perry brings this up very beautifully, but Kimberly Crenshaw, for her public like admonition of the My Brother's Keeper initiative, she was barred from ever visiting the White House. Whereas ta Coates, like, very openly, you know, was critical of Barack Obama, and yeah. he was offered an invitation. That, I mean, you know, I'm not shocked by that. Yeah. That's kind of like par for the course, but I don't think that's something that ever should have happened. And that's something that I found to be, again, these are like, these are also like, I guess, like late-breaking you know, this is like breaking information for me, but that's deeply disappointing and troubling for me. And I, I suppose I still consider Barack Obama, at least by the standards that we currently have, a feminist president. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, 
like what kind of feminism and for who ultimately and like for whose greater good. I still have a lot of questions about that. So that's one of the things that I felt like the other one, very obvious drone strikes never should have done them. Like, I don't even I don't even know why that's even like a thing that we even like discuss as like debatable in our society. I think it's indefensible. And that was my biggest issue with Barack Obama, actually, throughout his entire presidency. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of like, honestly, there are a lot of individual. Yeah, there's a lot of policy that he enacted that I just am not a huge fan of, like the deportations individually. But like there are kind of two things that I think uh, on like a. I guess a larger scale that I really felt like, dude, you kind of missed it. You missed, you missed a, you missed your shot. You missed, I was just going <laughs> to say you missed your shot. Uh, honestly, one was his pragmatism, you know, his desire to like work things out according to clear reason mm-hmm. and logic. And I think that, that that's attractive at the base level. And it's a part of, uh, honestly, a part of the reason why I think he was able to, um, garner the large amount of support that he like did receive. Sure, but his op- the opposition that he faced was not acting according to reason and logic. Mm. And you know they were willing to do whatever it took to simply oppose him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a lo- there are a lot of people talking about the nature of that like opposition. Mm-hmm. And you know you should listen to all these people. Like one of their coats, which is actually doing an awesome job Yeah, um, right now. They've had a, like a few episodes on that, but he didn't see it as a battle and it was a battle. You know, they were, they were fighting war Yeah, and he wasn't. And at a certain point you got to realize like, like I, I need to change my tactics. And yeah. I think he, he started to get that towards the end. Yeah. Um, and kind of went on the offensive. Mm-hmm. But he, I feel like he played defense for almost the first, like, six years of yeah. his presidency. And, you know, the part of that is this, you know, this idea that he mentions in the ta piece is that better is good. Um, but, like, things could have been a lot better than even what you were able to achieve mm-hmm. had you simply responded to the true nature of the actual, like, opposition that you were facing in the in the latter part of his presidency he did he did to a certain degree go on offense on certain things like if you look at if you look at the way he's tried to even protect some of his like legacy proposals Mm -hmm. you can see trying to set up for like all right they're gonna do some wild shit let me make sure i can like dig my heels Mm -hmm. in and, and protect as much as possible uh but i just think it happened like too late and 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 that's because that's who he is at his core. That is who he is at his core. But the other thing that I also think about, too, um, that we I don't think he would say this even if he thought slash knew it was true. There are limitations on him behaviorally because he's a black man. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? He can't be the first black president like sweeping through like dolomite. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He just can't come through. And like there's a reason why Donald Trump can say that he can drain the swamp and Barack Obama could never say yeah. that. I I I. I actually always attributed his uh, hesitance to come off as too aggressive to that. And now as I've gotten like as his presidency has passed now and I've been um, just he's been offering more reflection and more information obviously is becoming I guess at least what's the word I'm thinking of um, colloquially declassified. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Like more information is, is coming out that like, it's fine for us to know now and he's sharing more. Yeah. I'm learning more that it is sort of like who he is as a person, which is like you said, it's a good thing, but like ultimately I think he could have done more with the presidency if he had been a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. And I I think the last thing uh, is one that is like the, the, the actual result of it or the effects of, of this is like really only apparent now but he ran as a, as a person who would unite people uh-huh. in uh, 2008. Uh, but once he became president, he actually was not that good at coalition building. He, you know, he very yeah. much wanted to kind of like come to you with the thing fully formed and you support it. I'm going to sell it to you. You support it because it's yeah. right. It's logical. It makes sense. It's yeah. good. You know, and like that, that is a way to do it. But again, when we talk about like, you know, him responding to a, like, very clearly racist Congress, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the country not truly understanding policy. Yeah. Uh, he failed in, like, doing a lot of that work in front of people and bringing them together to support it. So, like, 
I guess obviously the like the best example is maybe the um like the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. You know, that like it, everybody knew it was this massive bill that like nobody really knew what was in it. Yeah. And you know, that's something that we now realize how many people that affects and how many people like support this this law. Yeah. Even if they didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> but if there were an effective coalition of people, you know, who he were he was able to like unite like that might not have been the case, and it. I, I think a lot of that stemmed from like him not having a great grasp on simplicity. Yeah. Like he broke things down. Don't get it twisted. Like you know, understanding that like you can get health insurance, you know, through this marketplace is a simple idea. Yeah, but it needed to go further. That simplicity needed to go further. I said like, hey, you know, you need this, you need this, you need this. Let's all work together and we have to work together to do that. I think if he had done that, you know, the ground game that we lost, you know, in states and Mm -hmm, things like mm -hmm, that mm might have been pretty different. Well, that makes me think of two things. Number one, it makes me think of, um, like, his inability to sort of, like, recognize the true nature of his opponent. Mm -hmm. Like, that makes me think about a lot of the... uh, that theme that ta kept exploring um, of how Barack Obama's unique upbringing yeah. gave him a different view of white people than most black Americans did. Yeah. So he had this unfailing faith in, in white Americans that most of the rest of us have been conditioned out of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And because he was primarily raised by white people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, which is an interesting theory. And I think it definitely holds some water. Yeah. Um, but I think that that was something that definitely contributed to, to, his inability to like see his opponents as these like baseless people who were just looking to oppose him at any turn that they possibly could. Uh, And then what you say about, um, about coalition building makes me think a lot about um, this piece that Van Newkirk wrote in the Atlantic. Um, He's been doing some really interesting writing about North Carolina and how North Carolina is kind of a microcosm for the rest of the country uh, due to different demographic breakdowns and sort of how, like, the elections in North Carolina sort of predict what happens in the rest of the country. Mm. And he wrote this really great piece about, like, Moral Mondays and about mm-hmm. how uh, about that specific thing, how much ground organizers um, and politicians have been able to gain in North Carolina, certain ones, um, by appealing to... Uh, different groups of people uh, just like trying to like, you know, make connections and like in coalition build. Yeah. Um, and, and that's actually something that like that. I think that the right did very, 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 very well. Yeah. They there's like this unspoken thing. I forget who posited this theory, but I think it makes so much sense. There's this thing that the right does very well um, where, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a tea party or it doesn't matter if you are um, a neocon. It doesn't matter if you are. You know, like maybe even somebody who uh, has flavors of the alt-right. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what kind of person you are on the right, what kind of conservative you are. At the end of the day, um, you always – you feel like um, your base is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. And you also – you feel like your base has has at least some of your concerns in mind. Uh, And and when it comes to like, you know, you will fight your – they'll fight their representatives like crazy. They will, you know, they will – stage bizarre protests and they will wear like conf- like what is the word I'm thinking of um what are those the uniforms that people wear like in like 1700s oh they'll dress up like you know like fucking colonial Williamsburg do you know what I'm saying yeah. and they'll show up and they'll protest and they'll act all crazy but when they go into that like when they go to like actually like you know fill out a ballot mm. they will vote for their you know major party candidate now a caveat some of that is because many of the concerns of like People who engage in white identity politics, mm-hmm. those concerns are, I would, I, I think, on many levels, less life and death than, say, they are for people of color, for yeah. LGBT people, for women, um, and for people who, you know, who, uh, and for poor people and people who, you know, maybe fit all or or some combination of those categories. So I, I could see how, like, a, a, you know, someone engaging in white identity politics on the right maybe doesn't feel like. They may not feel like they have as as much at stake Mm -hmm. as maybe some of us on the left do. But still, there's like a level of trust there, I think, in the end game, bizarrely, on their side. That, Like you said, I think that maybe if Barack Obama um, or even just people within his administration had had done more to like 
Create and cultivate. Yeah, create and cultivate. If they had done more to unite people across different strata and unite people who had varying concerns, um, I think that, that maybe all would not have been lost. And right now, all feels very lost. Yeah. God, now I'm just thinking about, like, everything that's lost. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and, like, as we, as you are listening to this, and even a little bit before, People in the Trump administration or in our new Congress are already doing things to dismantle Barack Obama's legacy. As yeah. flawed and imperfect as it is, he brought us, I think, in many respects. Uh, I mean, he left much to des- to be desired. Yeah. But in many respects, he brought us a very, very, very long way. And I think that um, that the improvements um, for many Americans of different aspects of their lives, I think that those improvements... Um, I think they're palpable and some of them are measurable. And um, it's, I don't know. Like I said, I, there's so much left to be desired from an Obama presidency that like staring that, like thinking, keeping that in mind and staring the Trump presidency in the face is just like all the more heartbreaking. Because it's just, you know, there's just no like, like I said earlier about the, you know, the trans female, like the trans women activists who are in the White House voguing, like, is that the way that things should be. No, they, they deserve so much more than that. We yeah. all deserve so much more than that. Um, but it gave me like a window, like of possibility. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. As to what, like the generation coming up behind Barack and Michelle and their contemporaries, like it gave me some hope as to what our generation could accomplish in our lifetime, you know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, honestly, for me, the thing, like I've been looking at that and I think, I think while it's very clear for younger people that, we need to resist. Like I hear a lot of, like I, I hear and see a lot of young people understanding that like, okay, we got to go out and do shit. Yeah. I also think it's, it's like, it's the job of people like, I think you and me to talk to those people who might not, who, who might not remember this time. Like, like I think it's important to continue to talk about those moments that you just pointed out. Like, I think it's, you know, at, we're going like, okay. Let me actually let me step back. So we're going into a point where it's about to get shit's about to get real. Yeah. It's about to be really dark. Yeah. And it's important. Like I feel like the message that like, okay, now is the time to struggle, now is the time to resist is important. And we need to continue, obviously, like with that movement. Because mm-hmm. now, you know, everybody is clearly getting ready and gearing up. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's important important to continuously point back at those moments of possibility um, because that that like really frames what you're working like one that that brings a degree of possible like it brings a degree of positivity mm-hmm. and it also shows what you're working to move past like mm. and and I think it I think one of the things that I'm really like proud of from his legacy is that the points that we can now fight to get back to and move past mm-hmm. are pretty beautiful like we swag surfed in the white house you know what i'm saying not me personally i yeah. was not there yeah but swag surfing happened and it was great and it was beautiful and now you know what i'm saying we're trying to do more we're trying to get back to the point where swag surfing is a normal part of a white house function and <laughs> more is actually uh possible within the white house you know yeah i think that's all i got <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, I guess, you know, ultimately, uh, to Barack Obama and the Obama family, you know, I thank you for your service, man. Same. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel bad because on one hand, like, I don't want to tell some very tired. These are the the Obamas have to be some of the most tired black people ever in the history (laughs) of the world. They have to be some of the most tired black people ever in the history of the world. But and I don't want to tell them, like, we need to. Yeah. But, like, also, like, you know, I believe it was Uncle Ben in Spider-Man who said, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And that doesn't end with the, with the, the term. It doesn't end. So, I mean, if he just wants to sleep for a year, I actually am comfortable with that if he returns. I don't know that we have a year. I know. I was just, as soon as I said that, I was like, I don't know maybe that we have months, a year. Maybe six months. Maybe four yeah. months. If he just want, I mean, like, I get it. He needs a break. Yeah. But like, I hope that he can move a little bit more freely in the future. I actually that that's one of the things I'm most positive about. Yeah. I think he's he's really signaled that like I'm not about to go quiet into this good night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm like you're gonna hear from me, and yeah. even if you look at like the way Eric Holder is like signaling, like yo. 
I'm trying to get active, you know, yeah. with the, their like uh, like plan to focus on kind of state level politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm excited for that. And, you know, I'm excited to have that that be happening. Yeah. Like you said, with those um, kind of restraints lifted and also just the symbolism itself of a former president being very active. Yeah. In resisting. Yeah. Which I mean, I hope he does it. It's going to be weird. It's going to be definitely a break from form. Yeah. Having a black president, though, also break from form. Electing Donald Trump also break from form. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, these are strange days. So really are. anything's possible. Any, well, no. <laughs> On that note, this has been an episode <laughs> Of for colored nerds. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just going out like, I don't know. Hope for the best. Yeah. I was was just going to say, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. But no, thank you for thank you for listening to to us. Yeah. For colored nerds is me, Eric Eddings, and me, Brittany Luce, and we have additional production help from our amazing producer, Bethel Hopte. Yes. Uh, And if you want to support us, there are a whole bunch of ways. One, you can tell us like. What are your reflections on Brock? How do you feel about him? Yeah, tweet at us. You can tweet at us. You can also send us an email for colorednerds at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, in addition to that, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Five stars only. We really appreciate yes. all of them. Yes. Uh, in addition to that, you can support us on Patreon. Yes. And also, we have merch. Yes. Uh, if you go to the forcolorednerds.com website, Mm-hmm. There's a link right in the top, okay. but click that and you can see we have T-shirts, we have tote bags, we have mugs. Yes, uh, we'll probably have some other stuff later. But we'll be back very soon. Yeah, very soon. Have a have the best day you possibly can. <laughs> exactly. Bye. Bye. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.